Hello, everybody, and welcome to a playoff edition of the Kelly Green Hour, where the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend head to Tampa Bay to face the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers in the first round of the Super Wildcard Weekend matchups in the NFL. I'm your host, Alger Harrell, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, I think this is the first time in the, since we've been doing show, uh, shows together that we've been able to host a playoff green hour. I can't wait. This is going to be a good show, I believe. Yeah, I I think so, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a pretty uh, depressing couple of years of, of talking about this team and talking about, you know, where they could be, where they should be, where we where they need to get to. And, and I mean, we didn't expect it to be this year, but here we are talking about being ahead of schedule in a retooling, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it. We're ahead of schedule. And, I mean, win or lose this week, there's a big off season to come, and I think that it's a positive off season. It's going to be an off season of positivity. We don't have to bring in a new coach, maybe a new defensive coordinator. Who knows how things are going to go? But I mean, I'm excited. I'm pumped for this weekend. Whether we win or we lose, you're going to see a completely different Tampa Bay team than we saw, and a completely different Philly team than Tampa Bay saw. Uh, what was it, Week Six? So yeah, I'm pretty six. excited about this. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to we're going to touch on that game from, from week six and kind of talk about the differences um, that each team are going to bring towards this playoff matchup. Uh, but before we get to that, let's welcome our guest for today, Tom Cunningham, the owner of Fight Philly Fight Network, who has graciously brought Connor and I on, um, and, and, you know, to do our podcast for the Fight Philly Fight Network. Tom, how are you? And Give our listeners tell tell us about yourself. Allow, allow our listeners to get a feel for you. All right, guys. First off, <clears throat> greatly appreciate you inviting me on the show. Glad we get to finally do this. I know we've been playing around and flirting when of us trying to do this all season long, but we finally made it happen and just in the nick of time, right before playoffs, yes, baby. Sir. I love it. <laughs> um, guys, like you said, I'm the owner and chief editor at Fight Philly Fight Network. That. Both uh, LJ and Connor do great work for us. Um, it's been a great partnership so far since we've joined forces. Um, I've been a lifelong Birds fan. I'm originally a Philly native. Um, and I have also uh, have spent the last about five to six years covering the Eagles, writing, podcasting, you name it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore FPF Network. Um, as always, you can also find us on any Apple podcast, Google play at fight Philly fight podcast. Um, uh, guys, let's, let's talk some, let's talk some Eagles, talk some playoffs. Yes, sir. Definitely talk. Let, let's, let's get into the, the, the gist of it all. The Philadelphia Eagles are traveling Tampa Bay for a 1 PM matchup on Sunday. Now they, as Connor had mentioned before, the Eagles and Buccaneers played week six, the Thursday night matchup in Philadelphia, the Eagles fell 28 to 22. Um, it, while the score, while it was a six point game, maybe it wasn't that close, but both teams are different. As Connor mentioned on Tampa Bay side, they have a lot of injuries, even though Mike Evans is probably is going to be fine. Uh, Leonard Fournette might be back. Levante David might, he, he might be a stretch, but he could also be back, but no Antonio Brown. Um, Rob Gronkowski did not play in that first matchup. I don't believe, but he'll be playing in this one. Um, no Chris Godwin, you know, and speaking of Antonio Brown, he had nine catches, 93 yards and a touchdown 
in that first matchup. He he was he was a big a big weapon for Tom Brady uh, back in Week Six. When it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, they didn't really try to run the ball for the first about three quarters of that game against Tampa back in Week Six. Now they are the number one rushing team in football. You're gonna have uh, Jordan Howard back. We'll see, uh, or Jordan Howard's gonna play. How much we don't know because we know that Stinger. Anything can happen with that. Miles Sanders at practice today didn't have his hand wrapped. We know Boston Scott. Uh, we know Kenny Gainwell who had you know with the touches he got last week against Dallas in that meaningless game where the fraud Cowboys wanted to go and play their starters into the fourth quarter. You know Gainwell had about over, he had over 70 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, Jason Huntley's signed to the active roster. I think what we want personally is to him to be returning kicks. Because anybody has to be better than Jalen Rager at this point. Um, uh, your, I, I, go ahead. Honestly, at this point, it, if they if he is not fielding the punts, I mean, like we riot, <laughs> we riot. <laughs> it it is frustrating. So I went to I went to the Eagles Jet not the change. I went to the Eagles Jets game in, in MetLife, um, and I was I was sitting right in the end zone where. Rager thought the ball was going to go into the end zone on one of the kickoffs and it bounced at like the three yard line. And he's like, Oh crap, I got to pick it off. I, I have never seen a guy who every, who I'm not going to say everybody, but apparently Howie Roseman touted it to be such as somebody that has great burst, somebody that has agility that can make moves who is really slow. He was fast in the big 12 because the big 12 doesn't play defensive defense. And but when you compare him to other Big 12 guys, CeeDee Lamb, he shows speed. Um, you know, some of those Texas Texas guys, they show speed. Yeah, TCU, while TCU's D like is an all right school, like that offense really isn't that great. And he was just the fastest on an offense that somebody somebody's gotta be the fastest. Like when you have a bad team, somebody's gotta score the most points, um, even though like the team is terrible. And I think that's what Jalen Rager was. And they really, obviously, I think we've talked about it time and time and time again, but they definitely missed a boat on that. And Rager just shouldn't be on special teams. They shouldn't put him on the field. Like, he should not be part of the game plan this week against Tampa. They have other weapons that they should use. Hopefully, Rager is far away from the game plan, even though he is, in theory, a starting receiver. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree on the Jason Huntley front. I mean, I I actually, we just put an article up by me today talking about the remaining free agents and, and kind of what to do with those free agents. And I said, you know what? I say let Boston Scott go. At this point, we I know Philadelphia loves Boston Scott. I've spoke highly of him. You've always countered my my kind of appreciation for a third string running back. Um but I've also spoken highly of Huntley because look at the burst that he had. Even in some of the runs that he had, that guy has ridiculous speed. And as mm-hmm. a returner, like fourth running back on roster, I would be perfectly content with that. When you were watching last week, Gainwell had some really nice runs. But Huntley, man, he if you open up a hole for him, which our offensive line does at will, no matter who, whether it's that first string, second th- string, third string, guard, center, tackle, it doesn't matter. They'll open the floodgates and Huntley can burst through a hole so fast. It was incredible. Like when you see that initial burst, 
Huntley is like, how has he not been rostered? How has he not been playing? Especially when so many teams could use an effective punt returner, an effective kick returner. I think Philadelphia would be crazy not to bring him back and to have Boston Scott back in the picture next season, um, in my personal opinion, at well, least from the fourth running back on roster to carry. Well, we did we did talk about the same thing when uh, Jordan Howard was stuck on the, the practice squad for, what, the first six, seven seven weeks of the season and then he came out and just he's a different runner than miles sanders obviously he's more of a he'll he'll hit the hole and go miles sanders wants to dance and try to and create a big play which is fine uh, because like that's what he can do that's what that's miles sanders game he's gonna go and get the 70 yard run that jordan howard or boston scott cannot get you know when you're talking about huntley it's tough for the eagles or and and most uh rosters to keep four running backs only because you want depth at maybe an offensive line. You want depth maybe at defensive line. You want an extra, maybe an extra guy in the secondary or, or, or an extra receiver, but we'll see. Like I, I don't, I, I, and I get Connor, you, you know, we, we love the off season and that's what we want to talk about, but I, I'm not, I'm trying not to even think about the off season right now and think about what the Eagles are going to do at the third running back position until we really have to. But the fact that they brought Huntley onto the roster now because they saw that burst last week, I'm not saying that he's going to be on the field on offense, but he's going to make a legit difference returning kicks or returning punts. Because like, like I mentioned, anybody but Rager and, and Tom, I don't know if like obviously watching that game last week against Dallas, it was Dallas starters against the Eagles second, third and practice squad players. So the Eagles obviously got what they wanted out of the game. They wanted to be healthy. And for the most part, I know Jay Jaw got hurt with a, with a busted finger, but, you know, he's kind of useless too. The Eagles came out of that game, you know, Jalen Hurts getting an extra week of health, um, with extra week of rest to rest that ankle. He's going to be a different quarterback than he was week six. Miles Sanders' hand is going to be another week healthier. Um, I know Devontae played a little bit, but Devontae was able to get off of his feet, you know, in the second quarter on um, the same with, excuse me, the defense, like every defensive starter minus TJ Edwards didn't play in the game. They're all going to be rested. Darius Slay's going to have to cover Mike Evans. We know that's a battle for him, but he's going to be rested. Steven Nelson on whether it's Scotty Miller or whatever, he's going to be healthy. Whoever's going to cover Gronk, they're going to be healthy. Like, I love the approach the Eagles took last week, and I'm not as worried as others may be when it comes. Is there going to be rust? We've known the Eagles; they started, they've been starting slow the last five, six weeks. I'm not as worried as other teams are, even though I I know it's playoffs. It's a totally different game. You know, what are your thoughts about the way Sirianni handled that approach last week? So a lot of first, I I, I mean I think he took the right approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, one of the bigger things when we're coming in, it, it, we had the availability to do this, take it. Another big thing with that, with that game, which I really studied, cause I, you know, look back on the tape on that game, even though it was second and third string guys and guys playing their first NFL snap. One of the things that I noticed a lot was the different things that Sirianni was kind of trying to play on offense. So you saw those shovel passes in the end zone. You saw the different read options that were set up. You saw the two wideouts, you know, in running, you know, a set sales type of, you know, 
series. So I think we may have got a little glimpse of what he's going to try to roll out against Tampa Bay. Um, but ultimately, you know, the health of your players to be able to make it to this point it was the right call. So, I, I mean, I, I think it was more damning on the Cowboys that we were able to put up 27 than they were able to put up 51. I, I think it was uh, worth all the all the risk in it. Oh, 100% agree. Like, and, and I know that Dallas was talking about they wanted to get some momentum and try to get the offense right. But if you remember, against Washington, they put up, what, 56? And then they have went up against a legit quarterback, as much of a legit quarterback that Kyler Murray is, and I'm a huge Kyler Murray fan, um, you know, and, and Arizona. And they lost that game. So when you could talk about trying to get momentum, Dallas – and there was all this talk about how the, you know, the Eagles only made the playoffs because of their week schedule. Look at Dallas's schedule. They faced the same, you know, New Orleans, Washington, Giants, Denver. Like they faced the same, minus Arizona, they faced pretty much the same opponents that the Eagles faced. And, you know, and, and everybody or all Dallas fans are saying, look, we look legit. Our defense is great. You know, this, that, and a third. When you have, yeah, you have a cornerback who led the league in um, interceptions, but also was the only, I think the only cornerback to give up over a thousand yards while in coverage. So, you know, well, let's not be only, real. <laughs> not only does Diggs lead the league in passing yards allowed, he also leads the league in yards allowed per play. Mm-hmm. He also leads the league in yards after catch. Mm-hmm. So, and one of the bigger things that's, I mean, that's even been pointed out nationally at this point is that part of the reasons where he's getting these 11 interceptions from is because quarterbacks are not afraid of him. They're just going to keep throwing it his way. And if he gets oh, a yeah. pick, he gets a pick. So oh. <clears throat> to me, really, that's, I mean, the Cowboys could do whatever, you know, to, to me, it would have been, you know, what, and there was a play that I, I, I was like, oh, the, I, and that's when I thought they were going to sit Dak and they didn't. And it was when Milton Williams made everyone on the Dallas offensive oh, line. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he almost put, I think it was Zach Martin, back onto Zach's leg. I was like, oh, here it goes. Like, you had to play him. Mike McCarthy is lucky. He is lucky that Dak didn't get hurt because if Dak would have gotten hurt last week, Jerry Jones would have fired him on the spot. At least he should have. But I, I, and, I, and I didn't want to harp on last week's game a lot just because it, it didn't matter, obviously. But um, you're right. Like, Milton Williams – had him get himself a monster game last week. I don't want to say monster. He had a really good game against mm-hmm. a legit start. Like you mentioned, um, Mark, Zach Martin's a, a, an all pro guard and Milton Williams manhandled him. Like, and if you, and I, and I, I talk about this too. I mentioned uh, to, to a buddy of mine, you, if you go back to draft day, when the Eagles made that pick and Howie Roseman was excited and then went up to, I believe it was Don, uh, Donahue, Donahue. Um, mm-hmm. At the end Tom of that video, <laughs> Donna, Donahoe, thank you. At the end of that video, and he wasn't too impressed. Like, I'm not, the, we all know that there's a bunch of Howie detractors in this town uh, that are Eagles fans. I'm, I'm one of them. But this, if you look at this draft, Devontae Smith starting receiver, Landon Dickerson starting guard, um, Milton Williams, I'm, I'm trying to think. Zach you know, McPherson. Zach was McPherson. There. The the, um, the, jur- the jury's Patrick the Johnson 
The uh, jury's Kobe's... out after, like, the jury's out basically after the first three rounds, but there is, like, a lot of potential in everybody mm-hmm. beyond the first three rounds because, like you said, there's Taron Jackson and Patrick Johnson. Um, there, well, there was Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth oh, yeah, Gainwell's Kenneth there, Gainwell, yeah, yeah, Kenneth Gainwell. Like, the jury's still out on a lot of those players, but, like, I, I mean... To think that, like, so you have Javon Hargrave, you have Fletcher Cox. That's what all you need at defensive tackle. And then you think about a guy like Milton Williams is waiting in the wings for a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, whenever you need him to step into the picture. But that's all he needs. Give him another year. Give him another two years. Look at what he was doing. He's so athletic. He's so gifted. Like, the when he got up there and batted that ball, damn it, that was some, that was impressive. The way he just... He knew he wasn't going to win inside, so he kind of laid off a bit, watched Dak's eyes, and then as soon as Dak threw, there there was his massive arm coming out and just swatting the ball. Down. He, that, but that's what you want. You want to be able to see that we have less needs, and you want to understand that that you know you have depth and you're good there, and that's hugely vitally important to know that defensive tackle is good to go. Although the defensive line has not impressed in their ability to get at the quarterback and to create any sort of pressure this year. It's important to know that you have those players who are going to be able to hopefully eventually get at the quarterback and that you have that depth and you can be confident with it because we clearly didn't have the depth on the edges because as soon as Brandon Graham went down, Derek Barnett, who was already faltering, completely fell flat on his face. Josh Sweat struggled to get pressure because they weren't falling for anything on the other opposite side of whatever Derek Barnett or Ryan Kerrigan were doing because they did absolutely nothing. So, I mean, I think it, the Milton Williams definitely stepped up, and I think it, it definitely was a, a better draft class than people are going to give it to be. But obviously, you know, you're not going to look at, like, some people might point out Patrick Johnson or Taron Jackson, but that doesn't even matter because those are guys that are further depth pieces that you're just going to leverage in rotational roles anyways. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, speaking of the defensive front, they're going to be very important this week because you have to get after Tom Brady. That's the key. That's going to be the key to this game. If you can get as much as you can, because it's hard to frazzle Tom Brady, if you can, get him off his spot, make him move, throw the ball earlier than he wants to, hopefully force turnovers. And that matchup against Tampa back in week six, he did throw an interception. And he didn't – like, while he threw for close to 300 yards, was 34, 42, you know, that was the, the the stretch where the Eagles were giving up, like, for allowing quarterbacks to complete 75 to 80% of, of their passes. Um, like, he still can be got. The Eagles can still get pressure on him. And if they can get pressure on him, they can force a turnover. And – Depending on what the weather is, because apparently on Sunday it, it might be it might be rainy. Um, it could be a weather that is going to favor the Philadelphia Eagles because this is the Eagles are primarily a running team. They're not. It's not going to potentially could not be Jalen Hurts. We need you to go out there and throw the ball forty times to win the game. That's not what the Eagles are going to want to do this week. While you know the first half of the season, Tampa was number one against the run. The last five, six, seven, eight weeks. They've been around 18 against the run, giving up some some big plays. And we know the Philadelphia Eagles bread and butter right now. They're going to want to hand the ball off to Miles Sanders, hand the ball off to to Jordan Howard, have that thunder and lightning go, and then do play action with my um, with Jalen Hurts, which will allow Jalen Hurts to either throw the football to a Dallas Goddard or Devontae Smith, or use his legs and run. And he, you know, Bruce Arians has talked about it this week, and, and it could be 
you know, coach speak and not trying to talk down to your opponent the upcoming week, but he has talked about the improvement of Jalen Hurts over the course of the season. And I think we've all seen it. And we came into this year, the one thing we wanted to see, I, we, I, I don't think anybody thought, I don't want to say anybody, most of the Eagles fan base didn't think the Eagles were going to be a playoff team this year. And the one thing we wanted to see was, is Jalen Hurts that, that guy? Is, is he the franchise quarterback? Because if he is, you do not have to use your three first-round picks to trade for Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, or trade up to, to get a, one of the mediocre quarterbacks coming out this year. You would be able to invest those draft picks in pieces that could help this team in the immediate. That would be defensive pieces, whether you know whether it's uh, a Nakobe Dean at linebacker who had an outstanding game in the national championship game and would look great in Eagles Green, whether it's a Jamison Williams if they wanted to go with another receiver in the first round for the third straight year, or if they wanted to go with an Andrew Booth or a Sauce Gardner um, or a Tyler Linderblatt, like you would be able to use these first round picks to help the team in immediate needs. You don't have to go out and draft a quarterback. Tom, is that what you've seen this year? Have you seen enough from Jalen Hurts? So I have always been, uh, when, you know, I don't know necessarily if I agree of us drafting her in the second round, but Mm -hmm. I've always been a big, big Jalen Hurts fan. I I thought his improvement from Alabama and Oklahoma was almost night and day. 100% agree. For for some reason, and I just could never put my hat on it, it, you know, a lot of the fan base, like, thinks for some reason he was like some scrub in college um you know i mean the guy had like 56 touchdowns his like senior year in oklahoma mm-hmm. so I, I mean he's a very talented player he, his biggest thing is to me and where i've definitely seen his growth is his overall mechanics in the pocket mm-hmm. his mechanics in the pocket has been always his bit of undoing where you see that inconsistency from and that over the course of the last you know, last half of the season, I've seen great improvement. I see him step into those throws. I've seen him work off his first reads quickly. Um, I mean, shoot, a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, we need to put a, a visor on Jalen Hurts, kind of like we do with Mike Vick, because Mike Vick had the same problem. <laughs> um, but it's something that I, I think minimally, no matter what we do, because eh, here's my point to this. Anyone in this college class is not going to outperform Jalen Hurts. Hertz would be the top quarterback if he was coming out this year. That's I 100% agree. I think I've even tweeted that before. I I I wholeheartedly agree. No no quarterback is outdoing him in this draft. Oh no! Um, and when he came out, not the when he came out um, in that draft when when the Eagles drafted him in the second round, I thought and I had said that he would be the and I didn't think Joe Burrow was going to be as good as like I thought Joe Burrow was just the product of all those weapons that at LSU. But And I thought that coming out, I thought that Jalen Hurts in the right system with the right coach would be the best quarterback in that draft class. Now, he might not be. Joe Burrow is really good. Um, was Justin Herbert in that class? Justin Herbert has a ridiculous arm, like one of the best arms in all of football. So he might – and right now, like Jalen Hurts, he's better than Tua. So, like, he could be the third best quarterback in that draft right now with the potential, like, if he continues to improve, to become – up there with with Justin Herbert, who might be a top five quarterback now, or Joe Burrow, who with Jamar Chase is gonna that 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 tandem is gonna tear up the AFC North for years to come. But you, you know, the same as you, like 
I think a lot of people are, detra- I don't want to say detractors, but were iffy on Hurts because they saw that he got benched for Tua. You know, they, 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 and, and you, when you look at the, the, the Big 12, they don't play defense in the Big 12. So any, most quarterbacks can come out. Like ba- Baker Mayfield hasn't looked that great in the NFL, but he was the number one overall pick um, out, out of Oklahoma. Um, you know, you watch Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a totally different skill set than a Baker Mayfield or, and similar skill set to Jalen Hurts. But he also kind of dwindles. I don't know if that's the word. Like down the stretch, he struggles. And that could be a product of the coach because the coach, even in college, you know, Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech, they would start off good and then they would just hit the, like, at the end of the year, they, they couldn't win games. They couldn't. So, and that's kind of what's ha- what has happened in the pros for him. Like, they backed their ways in, into the playoffs because um, was San Francisco or somebody lost it. San Francisco lost the game in week um, 16 or something. And that's how Arizona was able to clinch the playoff first. So, that's my thing. I think people have saw what, what Hurts did at Alabama. And they were like, he, he was a one-read quarterback, which I kind of thought that's how he was at the beginning of this year. And then he got benched for Tua. And we see what kind of quarterback Tua is in the NFL. He's a game manager. He's, you know, he he's not that great yet. I don't know if he will be great. He has the potential, obviously. but And, and, and I think that's why there's a lot of, quote-unquote, detractors for Jalen Hurts. I think that the one of the biggest detractors for Jalen Hurts was the idea of Carson Wentz in house too. I mean, for a lot of people, it was like you traded all this to get Carson Wentz, and then here we are. What was it? Two years later, that they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, and it's like, what? What are you doing? And they're trying to he how he's trying to sell the value of having backup quarterbacks and stuff. But it's like you don't that that's what free agency. But that's what's a what a Gardner Minshew deal is for. You go and you get your backup quarterback that you can trust that way, not invest such a high pick where reportedly the scouts wanted Jeremy Chin, which mm-hmm. is a game changing move now because look at the safety position. Next year we have Kevon Wallace, Marcus Epps under contract, and nothing else at the safety position. So it just goes to show how much of a franchise alter and move it would have been in both directions, whether you took Jalen Hurts there because look where we are with Jalen now, or whether you took Jeremy Chin, look where would the safety position would be now. Um, but I mean, I just want to point out one thing about Jalen Hurts. Um, I tweeted out a while ago on the Kelly Green Hour uh, Twitter about uh, the QB school on on YouTube. You definitely got to go check that out. He talks through a few Jalen Hurts plays. And one of the biggest things that I still know, I don't think Jalen Hurts will ever change because uh, he's a mobile quarterback. The one thing he kept pointing out is he's toesy. He's toesy. He hops around, he bounces around, and he throws. And he never, like, like you said, Tom, you see it a bit more now where he's planting and stepping into his throws but he's still really toesy he backs in because you know he's thinking in the back of his head do i run do i run do i run and when you get toesy like that your your throws aren't as accurate you're inaccurate that's why you see him overthrowing targets throwing behind targets a lot because he's inaccurate because he's bouncing around he's not putting that base planting his feet and firing it in there like he should be so i think that would be the biggest thing i'd like to see jalen hurts do But like we saw two weeks ago, there was a play where he came out of the pocket, he stepped up, 
he could have easily ran for the first down. I can't remember the exact play, but he could have ran for that first down. And instead, he fired to the opposite side of the field an absolute dart to Devonta Smith. An absolute dime to Devonta Smith when he easily could have ran for that first. But instead of running for that first and sliding after getting 9 or 10 yards, getting what he needed to get the first down, he ended up making it was like a 21 or 22-yard play out of it. Instead, because he decided... He kept his eyes downfield, which is something he's definitely improved on. And he he came out of the pocket, kept his eyes downfield, saw Smith through that dime. So there's definitely been improvements, but there's definitely still things Jalen Hurts has to work on. And at the end of the day, we've talked about the franchise quarterback debate. Look, look at Justin Herbert Sunday night. Jalen Hurts, I would never trust Jalen Hurts on like seven fourth downs to connect like that. Brandon Staley is definitely aggressive, though. He is. He's very ballsy. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't trust Jalen Hurts like that. That's why I would never consider Jalen Hurts a franchise quarterback, because in that situation where you're six or seven times put in a fourth down situation and you connect like that fourth down, like the 25 yard connection touchdown on fourth down that saved the game for the Chargers. I don't think J- Jalen Hurts gets that ever, do think, almost do you, ever. Do you give him an opportunity, though? Do you think he has that ability to become one? Obviously, like, so the Eagles are right now are at a spot where they're paying him on a rookie deal um, where I, they don't have to pay him until, I mean, in theory, they don't have to pay him for another two years, I think, if, um, mm-hmm. like give him that contract. So th- this is where if you're the Eagles, you want to, with that cap room, you're going to come up build that defense up, get a, get a veteran receiver and, and try to go for, you know, the make a deep playoff run in, within the next two years. But, you know, are they going to get, is he going to be able to build himself up to get that payday? I'm not saying to get that money that Carson got um, or get the money that, you know, that Herbert's eventually going to get or Burrow's going to eventually get. But do you give him the chance to become a franchise quarterback? I say, I say absolutely. I I don't like at this point. So next year you give him next year and then there's one year left that you get to decide. Do I, what sucks is you don't get the fifth year option with Jalen hurts. That kind of sucks, but you do get the option to see him again next year. He's clearly earned it. I think he's earned it. I know there's talk about Aaron Rodgers and there's talk about stuff like that, but there, but there's so many teams looking for quarterbacks, and I know that we have the draft capital, but if you throw that draft capital out the window, then everything we've talked about moving in the right direction, we're definitely taking a step back, I think, if we don't give Jalen Hurts the opportunity. We don't invest at least, at least two of the firsts. If you want to trade another first and get a third first, uh, 2023 first, go ahead, if that makes sense, if the players aren't there that you want there. But there's so much that you can address with three firsts and letting Jalen Hurts have that opportunity. I think this week will be a massive telltale for Jalen Hurts. I think it'll be like if he can have a good, whether we win or not, doesn't, should not matter on Jalen Hurts. It's what you see from Jalen Hurts. Can he manage the game? Can he have a good game? Can he keep the game close? And can he manufacture the offense enough to make it a game so a I better kinda, game I, than the 28 22 so that it was in week six i don't think that's fair only because hurts can have a good game but the defense could we we, we all know our feelings towards jo- jonathan gannon defense agreed passive and tom brady could shred them apart and they could put up 35 points but you know hurts could still have a good game maybe scored you know 17 to 21 against a pretty good Bucks defense, but they lose by two touchdowns. 
I kind of don't think that what you but that, but that's why I say it close is fair. That's why I say win or lose. That doesn't matter. It's what Jalen Hurts does. If Jalen Hurts goes, if we lose 35 to 21 and Jalen Hurts puts up, you know, a pass and touchdown, 200 yards, the Russian game's going. It was just the fault of the defense. And you can point out those possessions where the defense really blew it for us. I'm fine with that. That's why I said win or lose. It's a telltale oh. for Jalen Hurts based solely on what you see well, you at Jalen Hurts. Clo- you said keep it close. That's why. Oh, I, I did. I didn't. Nece- I didn't necessarily mean. That. I guess keep it close in regards to hopefully like twenty twenty two was close, even though it wasn't that close. But like, yeah. if the score isn't like last week, say it yeah. ends up fifty six twenty one, I'm sure we can look back at a number of offensive possessions and situations with Jalen Hurts where we're like. Ew, we don't want this situation next year if we're in the playoffs. So we don't want him to land in these situations throughout the year next year. Um, so, I mean, that'll be, that'll be, that's more what, what I meant. Right, it's just like, as long as it doesn't get that out of hand, but yeah, let's get back to the bucks. Let's talk about the yeah, bucks. Well, the I, I, I have one, before, before the bucks, I, I have one question for both of you before, in, in regards to this Jalen hurts being franchise quarterback team between mm-hmm. Russell, like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers. And with Jalen Hurts, is there a quarterback, like, is Aaron Rodgers that guy that if he was available and he were, were willing to go up to Philly, that's, that, that's, where you, that's who you would get? Or are you, you're not entertaining any of these quarterbacks and it's Jalen Hurts' job next year to see what you have? So, like, well, let me start with you, Tom. Like, is there a quarterback so, that you would take or is it Jalen Hurts and that's it? So my mindset, and this has kind of been my mindset for a while, um, is, and I'm actually working on an article about this exact topic, and I've written a few pieces about this, but ultimately, it to me, if your choice to go somewhere else outside of Jalen seems to be, which is always a possibility with Howie and yeah. you know Jeffrey Lurie, to me, it's Russ or bust. Okay. I don't think the capital for Deshaun Watson is going to pay off dividends. I, I don't see Aaron Rodgers even wanting to come to Philly um, unless we were to really amp up on some major, major weapons. Um, so if he can, if he can bring Devontae Adams with him, I would take Adams and Smith. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that, that would be a good pairing, but ultimately to me, it's Russ or Buss. And one of the major reasons why I think it would be great if we did have Russell Wilson is because if Jalen Hurts – learned and watched and worked with Russell Wilson. I mean, that that's, he can model his game very closely. To Wouldn't Russell they have Wilson. to trade Hurts though, if they were making that trade, don't you think? It, it all really depends on how and what Seattle realistically wants to do. Um, but here, here's, this is why I'm putting my hat on that Jalen Hurts, 85% chance he's going to be the guy next year. And it's a simply because and you already said it before, there are so many quarterback desperate teams mm-hmm. that it's going to become a bidding war. So some people think that, oh, we could probably get Russ for a first round and maybe send Jalen over to Seattle. That's not going to be a first round because teams are going to offer two. They're going to offer three. The Giants. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to. And let's not forget about the Giants. The Giants have draft capital. Two first round, two top ten. Yeah. So it's, you know, we can very easily get into a bidding war um, where, you know, I I think that at that point in time, uh, we're better spent putting some of the capital, like you said before, into building up the defense Mm -hmm. and keeping keeping our cap cap below um, and being able to get somebody 
like a Devontae Adams if he chooses to leave Green Bay, so, or an Allen Robinson, or a Mike Williams, or, you know, so, there, there's a plethora of players, especially in free agency, yeah, um, that, and definitely. especially the wide receiver position, that we can add depth and weapons to this team very quickly. What so do you, you think, said great. I agree with you, Tom. I mean, my big thing on on the Aaron Rodgers situation, he won't commit to anything. He said, you know, retirement isn't out of the question. There's rumors that, you know, things are a bit better in Green Bay and they're going to tag Devontae Adams. So Devontae Adams is going to be trapped in Green Bay next year. So maybe he'll stay with Devontae Adams and stuff. You don't know. I don't think Aaron Rodgers, longevity-wise, goes like Tom Brady. I j- he contemplates retirement. He's always got a- other jobs in the back of his mind that he'd rather do. And it feels like his mind isn't always on the football field. And eventually he's just going to want to be off the football field. So you could have Aaron Rodgers. You could have him for one year. You could have him for two years, whatever. But I don't see it getting past two years. And after this year, you only have one year left under contract with Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson's under team control, I think, for three years after this year. So Russell Wilson, you still have some control over Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson, his case goes to court in February. That's going to open the door a lot more to see if you can understand, okay, he's not going to be back in the NFL or, oh, he's going to definitely be back in the NFL. And then the David Cully firing and the rumors of, well, maybe Flores is going to come to town because Brian Flores really wanted Deshaun Watson. If we bring Flores in, Deshaun Watson stays, you know, the math kind of works out that way. Um, so I agree with you. It's rest or bust for me as well, because you just don't know where they're in Rogers. You just, there's too many hypotheticals and question marks that aren't going to be figured out. I don't think prior to the draft with Aaron Rodgers and with Deshaun Watson. So, but I mean, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, that could change if Green Bay gets eliminated uh, next weekend, then we could be talking a whole different thing. And Aaron Rodgers will be like, screw this, screw that. I'm out of Green Bay. And we're looking at the soap opera of last offseason all over again with Aaron Rodgers. But you don't want to be the team that steps in and cre- has that situation on their their mind and wondering, is he going to retire? Is he going to go host Jeopardy? Maybe he'll go host Wheel of Fortune. Who knows what job might open up that he wants after that. So I, I would agree with you. It's got to be rest or bust. But there's so many. I never realized until you sit back and look, but all these new regimes coming in, all these guys like Kirk Cousins who've one year left on their contract and teams may be looking to to move bodies or to be getting a new quarterback and stuff. There's north of 10 teams looking to be in this quarterback market. And we would have to spend all three of our firsts and some to draw one of these big names in. And I don't think it's worth it. Like you said, Tom, it's way, and like you said, LJ, it's way more valuable to spend those three first. Get Tyler Linderbaum, get your future edge in like David Ajabo, get your future corner in a guy like Booth or, or Sauce Gardner or whatever. You, those three names alone address three needs for the next five years. No doubt in your mind. I do kind of want before we'll move to back to Tampa after this comp. But one thing you just said that about a lot of needy teams, quarterback needy teams, that is going to be beneficial for the Eagles because there's going to be teams trading up in this draft to get one of these mediocre quarterbacks coming out to get a Kenny Pickett, to get a Sam Howe, to get a Malik uh, Willis. So the Eagles could have a good player drop to them at 15 and 16 and, and wherever the third one is going to be. So maybe it, you know, people think Tyler Lind- Linderbob could go in the top 10. Maybe he drops to 15. 
Um, you know, David Ajabo, Sauce Gardner, who may go top 13, 14, could drop to 15. So that could definitely be beneficial to the Eagles. Um, so let's move to this game. And I want to talk about the experience factor going into the playoffs. This is Jalen Hurts' first uh, playoff start. Nick Sirianni's first playoff, you know, as a head coach, he was obviously with the Colts and been with the Chargers in a playoff um, scenario, but not as the, the head guy. Um, Tom Brady is starting, I believe, his 46th playoff game, which is double the age of, of Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, Bruce Arians, been coaching forever, been in the playoffs. Tampa Bay obviously won the Super Bowl last year, so they had a run and they did it as a, I think they were, what, the fifth or sixth seed and, and were on the road for every round of the playoffs until the Super Bowl, which was in their home stadium. Um, and Eagles have players. They have Delane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, uh, Fletcher Cox, Rodney McLeod. They have guys that were on the Super Bowl team back in 2017. What are some of the lessons? What are some of the things that these veterans for the Eagles, the Fletcher Cox, you know, Brandon Graham, uh, even Derek Barnett, he was a rookie at the time, but he was still on the field, you know, to recover the fumble on Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. What are, what are some of the lessons? What are some of the things they can tell Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, even Nick Sirianni and this young coaching staff to get them prepared for what they're about to go into in Tampa in, in a couple of days? So, uh, I, so I have a couple points to that. So one of the major things that, that, that they're going to be able to, you know, sit the rookies and sit Jalen Hurts and talk to Sirianni about is, you know, hey, man, you breathe, live to mm -hmm. see the next play. Um, you know, we, we saw what teams do under duress, like Brandon Staley, going for it on fourth and two. And let's be honest, that was like more of fourth and three on your own 18. You know, like things like that. Live to see another, you know, live to see another play. Um, you know, learn, you know, just take a bit deep breath. And I'm going to tell you, it's funny that we're talking about experience and with Jalen Hurts. You know, so obviously this is a great experience opportunity for Jalen Hurts, but one of the big things that where a lot of, you know, a lot of major media, a lot of big time analysts are really pointing towards the possibility of the Eagles playing spoiler is because the biggest real perk to Jalen Hurts is he doesn't get rattled. And, and playing at Alabama, you're always in big games. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he, he doesn't get rattled. And not only does he get rattled, he typically rise to the occasion of the big stage. So, you know, a lot, a lot of people are putting, you know, some stock into like, Hey, this is, you know, he, he's going to be okay in this thing. But I, I think the biggest thing is just ultimately live to see the next play. Um, you know, understand the situation is another big one. Understand, you know, where, where your players are at. Um, you know, that, that's, that's my thought process it's on, and it's kind funny you bring it up because I was watching um, Man in the Arena on ESPN Plus the, with Tom Brady, and he he kind of touched upon that so, something like that when it came to being in that situation, being in the playoffs, being you know making a Super Bowl run like with with young guys. It's like breathe, take it, take it. You could take it all in, but don't let it overwhelm you. And as you mentioned about about Jalen Hurts, he doesn't get rattled. He is one of the most coolest calmest customers guys that I have ever seen like in any type of situation it doesn't seem like 
he he gets rattled. It doesn't seem like he allows anything to get under his skin. And when you're playing for a coach like Nick Saban, who you seem to, you know, who, and you know, as a true freshman go into the national championship and coming in the middle of the, the uh, SEC championship game for Tua and like he's been playing all year and being able to, to lead them back to win that game when he was at Alabama before going to Oklahoma, like he allows himself to take the step back to see everything that's going on around them. And that's what the biggest difference between a Jalen Hurts, and and I'm going to say that and bring this guy up, and I'm a big fan of his still, but a Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz allows things to kind of get under his skin. Um, and I don't want to say that he, he runs away from competition, but that's kind of what it felt like after the Eagles drafted Jalen and Jalen took his job. He's just like, I'm not going to – I don't want to battle. I just went out. I need – and and that's that's what Carson's like, but Jalen, as you can see, like, or when whenever he gets into a spot where it just seems like most guys would get deterred, he 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 doesn't allow it to affect them. And that's a great thing you want in a leader and a quarterback, you know, in the guy that that you want to entrust your franchise in. Agreed. Um, I I want to point out what was it three weeks or four weeks ago, um. Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts through what he fumbled or threw an interception, yeah. and he fumbled, Nick he fumbled, Sirianni, yeah. yeah, he fumbled. Yeah, Nick Sirianni was right in his ear, and Twitter blew up because Hurts was so stoic; he just didn't care. He went to the bench, and everyone was losing their mind. They were like, "What is Jalen doing? How can you not react to your coach? Why are you not giving him like showing him you, you care and stuff?" And Jalen Hurts, he went, he sat on the bench by himself, he thought about it, he settled down, he took in the moment, the situation, he, and he came out, and he had a great rest of the game after that. He he made some really good throws, he made some really big plays. Jalen Hurts is not the guy to react to the situation, he's not going to walk to the sideline and get in a shouting match with Nick Sirianni over what he saw on the play, or what Sirianni thought he should have seen, or what the read was, He's it's not worth it, and and that's why I 100% agree with you guys there. And that's a circumstance that I think back to where Jalen Hurts definitely, he just took in the situation. He said, okay, he he was like, coach, give me a minute. Goes to the bench, goes out on the next play, calms down. He's back in the zone. He's back in the game. And as the game continued to roll on, it got better. It got better. It got better. But the fact that people were making such a big scene about how Jalen Hurts just wasn't reacting that's just how he is because when you react, you impulsively get yourself into situations. And you, like you said, you may go out there, like say Carson Wentz this past weekend against the Jags and just keep making mistakes and just keep shooting yourself in the foot because you're just the adrenaline's pumping and everything. And my only other, my only piece of advice, I guess, from that Fletcher Cox and them would give and Jeff Stoutland because he's been in this situation before on the coaching side of it is play your game. Play your game. Don't abandon the run. The run's been so good for us. Don't abandon what you've been doing so well with the read option, the RPOs, you know. Just play your game no matter what. If you go down two scores early, which is very realistic. The Eagles have done it the last, like, three straight weeks. Just settle down. Play your game. Do your thing. One drive at a time. One play at a time. One scheme at a time. Just play your game. And I think that that's the biggest advice that needs to be given to Sirianni. And I think Jalen Hurts knows and realizes that. I don't think Jalen Hurts needs to be told that because that's literally how he plays every single game. 
But Nick Sirianni needs to know that. The young guys need to know it. Take your time. One play at a time and don't flip the script. Don't yeah, flip what, the script on what we've been and who we are. Yeah, and one of the great things about Jalen Hurts, you, you talked about that that scene against Washington when he fumbled and you know, being a coach's kid, like he has experienced that his entire life. The toughest coach he's ever had was his dad. Like, let's be real. If anybody is ever going to get on you and make you be that type of leader, that type of player, it's going to be your dad. And that's exactly what, you know, Jalen Hurts' dad was able to instill in him. And you can see it, you know. And then when you go and play for Nick Saban, like, let's be real. Nick Saban's not all a cream puff of a coach. Like, he is going to get in your ass. And he's going to make sure that you, you know, whatever the, the game plan is, you're going to go out there and, and – and play to to out to his expectations to that to the Alabama you know pride you're gonna play for that that you know a on your you the, the a on the your the front of your the, the name on the front of the jersey and not the name on the back of the jersey and that's kind of what you see from a Jalen Hurts like it's not about him he doesn't care if he throws the ball 50 times a game he doesn't care if he throws the ball 10 times 10 times a game it's as long as you win because I mean he he talked about it in one of the games this year. And he was asked about, like, you only threw the ball 15 times, and how do you feel? And he goes, all I care about is winning. That's what I love about Jalen Hurts. And I hope – and I don't think he will change. I just hope that, that, that he doesn't change as he gets, you know, older and he, and he gets into – this is only year number two. He's only started, what, 20, 20 games in the, in the league for last year, 16 this year. Uh, actually, no. 19 because he didn't he didn't start two this year um but you know as he is he as he goes from year to year to year and presumably becomes a bigger star like a guy that's going to be a face of a franchise has the potential to even be a face of a league i hope that that doesn't get to his head and i don't think it will just he doesn't seem like that type of person yeah, I definitely agree with that. And um, I mean, moving forward, we're talking about the the Bucks game and, and talking about the um, that play in their game. One of the biggest things that stands out from that earlier week six Bucks game, time of possession. It was obviously it was before we became a running offense and stuff. But one of the biggest things, keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. Who's the guy on the Bucks who's going to have the biggest impact and who's going to turn the game around and who can score? Look at what he did against the Jets this past weekend or two weekends ago. All it takes is the opportunity to get the ball in his hands, and it could be 30 seconds, it could be 20 seconds. Tom Brady, that's all he needs. Mm-hmm. And so the more you keep the ball out of his hands, the better. In week six, time of possession, 39 minutes and 56 seconds in favor of the Bucks, 20 minutes and four seconds in favor of the Eagles. We had no possession last longer than four minutes. It was ridiculous. And now we're a whole different team, and we have to stick to that. Like, the weeks where we saw drives that lasted seven, eight minutes. That's one of the reasons we didn't get a lot of pressure on against the Bucks and why the defense probably looked so bad a few in the week six matchup. It, because we were always on the field. They're always exhausted. When you're pushing around, we've talked about this before, when you're pushing around big 300-pound, 275-plus-pound bodies, for 39 minutes a game, you're not going to get a lot of pressure. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be broken. You're going to be beaten down. So obviously, sticking your focus to that run game and keeping the ball out of Tom Brady's hands, you give Tom Brady 25 minutes to work with, 
20 minutes to work with you like what 25 30 minutes to work with it's a much better than when you give them 39 minutes to work with yeah i agree tom i have a question for you looking at the the bucks offense i think the guy that the you know obviously it's brady but the guy that the eagles are gonna have to find a way to contain we saw in the super bowl four years ago is rob gronkowski i don't know if the eagles have the personnel on defense to stop him. How would you contain Gronkowski? So when you're working with Gronkowski, so um, I, first off, I a hundred percent agree. Um, I, that's been kind of been on my mind uh, since we knew it was the Bucks and, and tight ends in general, the mm-hmm. Eagles have struggled with tight ends in general. Um, this in, in particular this season, and especially last season, you know, how do you contain a big, big body tight end it's hard because you know that's the same question the bucks are having on their side is hey we not only have you know a big tight end coming in but he's an explosive guy and he you know he's it's a big mismatch and i could tell you that that's going to be his go-to guy i'm 100 agree so and it is concerning so kind of what i was looking at or, or really kind of in back of my mind. So Avante Maddox has been playing great, but there's such a size disadvantage between 5'10 Avante Maddox and 6'7 <laughs> Rob Gronkowski. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, and I mean, think about it. We look back to the Super Bowl. That was one of Ronald Darby's best years as a professional football player as a corner, and he got torched three times by him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he he is, you know, the better guy. What you really have to do you know, the two ways to kind of keep Gronk, you know, in, in contain is one at the line of scrimmage. You have to check him at the line of scrimmage. Do not let because he's not a fast guy. So getting him checked at the line of scrimmage and really kind of keeping him off his initial route is one of the major ways that they're going to be able to kind of keep Gronkowski quiet. The other way to keep Gronkowski contained is don't have him be a pass catcher. Bring enough pressure to like when they Let's, face the Saints that he has to be in there to block. Because that's what the, uh, the second time they face the Saints and when the Saints beat the Buccaneers again, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things was that the Saints did and they actually did a, a very nice, uh, very nice switch off draw play between linebacker and uh, I think it was uh, Ahmad Gardner, um, or Gardner, excuse me, Gardner Johnson, uh, headed up against um, Brady on a good blitz. But it, they checked they checked Gronkowski at the line, and they were sending enough pressure to where, hey, in particular, the right side of the line, that they're struggling. And so they're going to have to put Gronkowski there. And Ronkowski there, I mean, that's just going to open up your availability to really shut down the backside of the house. Yeah, it's unfortunate because that, that Saints defense, when you have the like, – I wish we had a Demario Davis. That that could be the guy, the guy that would come in and blitz. Or, you know, because I, I don't know if Gannon – I hope Gannon – because in that first game he was really – he played back. He didn't want to – he didn't want to get beat over the top, obviously. And he didn't really bring pressure. They, that's what they do have to do. I – 100% agree. They have to bring pressure. I just don't know if Gannon's going to want to because of the fear, which he can't have, but he he's going to fear 
getting beat over the top by Mike Evans or even Gronk or OJ Howard, um, who had a touchdown against us, um, or whoever, I don't even know who the second receiver is going to be now. This isn't Grayson. I think Grayson is hurt. Um, Scotty Miller might be hurt. Scott, and they signed uh, John Brown to their practice squad. So, I mean, that yeah, could like, be It's going to be Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, and like Leonard Fournette. Th- that's going to be their offense. So that's who the Eagles are going to have to find a way to stop. And I don't know if Gannon is going to – I just don't want him to go in fearful that they're going to get beat over the top. Because if he goes so, in fearful, then it's going to happen and you're going to lose. And uh, so I, and I wholeheartedly agree. So when Gannon started out this year, his whole philosophy was he was playing that fast split cover two defense. Okay. Mm-hmm. In order to play that type of defense, you have to have two things. You have to have a winning pass rush front line. And you have to have linebackers who can cover. Mm-hmm. Which early in the season, they did not have. Yes. And I still wouldn't really trust our linebackers in coverage. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> and and a pass rush. And that's why, and go back to what I think Connor said earlier, uh, I, I, this defensive front has to win their matchup. They have to close the box on Brady to force him that one extra second to throw early. Because Brady, and to my knowledge, I think he still is, I have to check PFF, is under blitz is like 72% completion. That's good. <laughs> so he's, you know, he's one of the best guys reading the blitz and understanding where the blitz is coming from. Um, and, you know, here's another thing about Brady. He's not afraid to throw away the ball. So when you're looking for that, you know, point differential, that, that takeaway differential, he's not afraid of throwing the ball mm-hmm. until they get desperate. How do they get desperate? You play the time of possession game. Yep, as Connor did say run. earlier. Yep. yep, you you have to run that ball because especially if it's going to be crappy weather, you got to beat up Vita Vea, you got to beat up, uh, you know, JPP, Shaq Barrett. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, these guys are coming back. But and Dominican Sue, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, very, very important that, you know, they establish that trench dominance early. And that's going to be – that's – that is going to be their winning ticket. And that's where even other people, that's where the other side of the house is where Philly can play spoiler, you know, bad weather game, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette. I mean, he's had some good games this season, but that offensive line, you know, the way we've, well, especially in the last seven weeks have been able to deploy a good run defense. I mean, we're going to, be able to hopefully hold them out so when you get into those third and seven situations and you play your press man coverage and let's say you have a safety float to you know double over gronk and you know rob gronkowski which sometimes doesn't make a difference um (laughs) you uh you know that's where you win that's how you're able to control the game yeah it's going to be key for the Eagles defensive line, like you mentioned, where Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox definitely have to win their matchups inside. Um, like Connor also mentioned, and I think we mention this all the time, is ever since Brandon Graham got hurt, the the, the, the ends haven't been good. Like Joshua got paid, and then like I mean he had a he's come on lately, but he had a stretch where he didn't do much of anything. And we already know Derek Barnett's on his way out of town. Um, so th- that's one this offseason 
you know, where the Eagles are going to have to definitely improve uh, the defensive ends to, to get more pressure on the quarterbacks and improve linebackers. Cause if Gannon's going to be here, you have to have linebackers in this defense to help Jonathan Gannon. All right. So before we get to our predictions in the game quickly, I want to run through super wild card weekend, six games, two Saturday, three Sunday, one Monday, get your quick winners. Um, and, and we'll see who's moving on to the divisional round Sunday. The Las Vegas Raiders and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Raiders could have tied last week and, and helped the Chargers get in and not allow Pittsburgh. But, you know, Brandon Staley wanted to call a timeout. So the Raiders were able to kick that field goal for the win. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that, you know, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, that tandem is going to be tough to stop for uh, Las Vegas. I'm going to take the Bengals. What about you guys? Ultimately, I I would like to say the Bengals just because I mean they got Tyler Boyd, mm-hmm. you know Joe Mixon, obviously Jamar Chase. I mean they're they're gonna have their hands full. But the one thing that concerns me particularly about the Bengals, and it's been somewhat of their kind of their threading needle throughout the season, is their offensive line. Um, you know, you got Max Crosby on one side of that, on the you know right side of that line, and he's going to come around that corner. You know, he's going to beat you with his speed, and, you know, that was the same issue that we, you know, the Chargers had faced. And I think the Chargers have a better offensive line than the Bengals do. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that's going to be the big matchup is if, you know, what can they can do to contain, you know, the Raiders' pass rush. But I agree. I think ultimately the Bengals are going to win. Connor? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Bengals as much as I want to go with the Raiders. And I love the Rick Versace story and stuff and uh, what they've gone through and overcome with Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs. You know, I want to go with the Raiders, but I think I'm and John Green. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go with the Bengals as well. I think the Raiders pass rush is really good and other aspects of their defense has been good, but not great. And I think the Bengals will be able to exploit that if they can give Burrow just enough time just a few times in the game. I think yep. that they'll be able to do it. It's the Bengals for me. All right, Saturday night game in the AFC Eastern Division matchup between the Patriots and the Bills. I'm going Patriots in the upset. What about you, Connor? I think I'm going to go with the Bills. I want to go with the Patriots in this one. I think they can definitely, they they have probably the highest upside to upset this weekend, but I'm, I'm definitely going to go with the Bills on this one. I, I trust the offense way more. It is supposed to be freezing cold, though, so that could be a game changer. Well, we saw what happened the last time they played. I think it was in Buffalo. It, that weather was terrible, and um, Mac Jones threw the ball three times, and they won. So, <laughs> yep. What about you, Tom? Uh, I'm ultimately, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Um, and so both teams thrive, obviously, in cold weather. But if the Patriots can establish their run game, the Buff- Buffalo defense, who has been fairly solid all season, is going to have struggles. Oh, I, yeah, I agree. And I think Damian Harris has been really good running the football for, for the Patriots. And, you know, the, all Belichick is asking Mac Jones not to do is not lose them the game. And he, he hasn't done that often this year. All right, let's go to Sunday. Um, we'll go to the 430 matchup, the San Francisco 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys. I'm taking San Francisco in the upset. What about you, Tom? Uh, I'm also going to take San Francisco. I, I don't even know at this point if it's going to be an upset. Uh, I mean, we, <laughs> I'm going based off the spread. <laughs> well, based off the spread, it's three, which means the home team usually gets three. So, yeah, you know, it's more of a push anyway. So uh, I agree. It is. No, it's, it's 100% push. Um, 
I, I think uh, so. 49ers are going to have their hands full um, as far as their secondary goes, but I, I think ultimately uh, they're going to use how the Raiders beat and how the Cardinals beat the Cowboys, and they are going to really rush the edges um, of that Dallas offensive line, and they're going to keep that box short so there's no chance of Zeke or Tony Pollard breaking big so it's going to be held to Dak's arm and it's it's going to be shaky so I, I take the 49ers Connor yeah I'm going to go with the 49ers as well I mean you while uh, you saw them last week and they went pound for pound with the LA Rams and I trust the LA Rams offense more than the Dallas Cowboys offense and <laughs> like we said the Dallas Cowboys their offense has been spotty and just because they took advantage of second, third and fourth stringers doesn't necessarily mean you're back to normal and your offense is good to go. So I'm going with the 49ers on this one. And the Niners were down what? 17, nothing against the Rams. 17, nothing. Yep. I think Debo Samuel has a big game and he is like, we talk about quarter, quarter Patterson being the ultimate weapon, running the ball, catching the ball. Debo can do it all as well. So I think he has a big game. The Sunday night game, probably the <laughs> Most lopsided, it might be the most lopsided game of the weekend. The Pittsburgh Steelers at the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win this one and win it easily in uh, Ben Roethlisberger's farewell game. How about you, Connor? I, I agree, man. When you listen to what Ben Roethlisberger said yesterday, you that that is a man who who's they're playing with house money. He knows that he's tapped out. The team seems like they're ready to enter the off season and run run something different back next year. So I'm going with the Chiefs. And Tom? Oh, I'm an Andy Reid guy, so the Chiefs. <laughs> I like Andy <laughs> Reid too. Uh, I I thought I won't lie. At the beginning of the year, I thought maybe when the Chiefs were struggling that. It kind of got to the point where where it did here, where Andy kind of was wearing out as welcome. But when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, they always figure it out. The Monday night matchup, another, another divisional matchup, the AFC or NFC West matchup between the Arizona Cardinals and the LA Rams. I actually think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals in the upset. What about you, Tom? Uh, I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals in the upset. And for two major reasons. One, because Matt Stafford is a pick machine here lately. Yes, he is. Um, then you got to remember, I mean, he, his playoff experience isn't that much either. Mm-hmm. So I really think one that, playoff. I think it's one playoff start, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and the other big side of the house is so, yes, they have that formidable pass rush. Von Miller gains, obviously, Aaron Darnold. But the biggest thing that has hurt the Rams all season long and this is where you see all these teams really hurt them on the second half is they have no depth. Mm -hmm. So if you get that running game going, if you're able to, you know, really start putting up that pass protection and you start creating those long drives, those guys are going to get gassed and gassed quick. I agree. It it would be nice if Hopkins was playing this week for Arizona, but he's out. Hopefully James Conner can be healthy. What about you, Conner? Yeah, I think I'm going to roll with the Cardinals, too. I mean, Stafford. I'm shocked we all went with the Cardinals. Yeah, well, Stafford's showing that propensity to, you know, one or two bad decisions, and, and it could just be three and outs. It could also be interceptions. But that propensity to have those situations continue to happen like they are. And so recently, if it happened at the start of the year, who cares? But now that it's happening down this stretch of the time, this isn't good. The Cardinals are pretty banged up in the secondary, so they're going to have to put up a lot of points. I think this is just going to be a really high scoring game at the end of the day, because 
you guys, it's going to be pound for pound going back and forth, putting up the points because the Cardinals got no secondary left. It's true. It should be, it should be a good way to end super wild card weekend. All right, before we get to Eagles box, let's do our unheralded player of the week for week 18 in the national football league. Connor, I'm going to go with Amon Ron St. Brown, the rookie receiver out of USC for the Detroit lions. He had eight catches, 109 yards, one touchdown, and a 37-30 victory over the Green Bay Packers, where the Packers starters played for the first half, and then Detroit was able to get the victory late in that game. And it was Detroit's first win over Green Bay, I think, in I don't even know how long, because Green Bay has owned the Detroit Lions. But I'm going to go with Amon Ron St. Brown, who turned out to be a really good NFL uh, wide receiver. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with it pains me to do this, but I'm going with Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson's actually looked I know that he faced second and third stringers. I get that. But five receptions, 119 yards and two touchdowns is not something to just make excuses about when on an offense where CD Lamb's been okay but not great. Amari Cooper's almost completely disappeared. Cedric Wilson and, and Gallup tore his ACL. So Cedric Wilson stepped up in a major way, and he had a really good game against us. No matter who was up against him, he made big plays. And I, even if you have starting corners out there, they're going to be too busy with somebody else. They're not worried about Cedric Wilson. So that was a big game for him. His first, um, his first so. touchdown was on an illegal pick, by the way. If they called, it wasn't that, a yeah, that was an egregious one. Week, at week pick late later in the game, I think it was on JJ Artega Whiteside, but they didn't call that on CD Lamb. That was a bunch of BS. That shouldn't have counted. But I digress. Agreed. That Tom was a hellacious no, uh, hellacious no call. Oh my god! Like <laughs> that was CD so Lamb ran, literally ran right into. I think it was the linebacker or whoever it was on the. It was linebacker. um, shot uh, Sachere. Oh yeah, it was a nickel corner. Whoever's playing there, Man, that was egregious. I can't believe they didn't call it. Do you have a Tom? Do you have an unheralded player from last week? I do, uh, and I'm not even sure if he's technically unheralded, but I will take Josh Allen from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, he's. I would go. He's unheralded. Um, I I think he is. I mean, he he owned the Colts. Um. Majorly, uh, I mean, he, he's just a smart defensive player. Um, you know, he, great in the run game. No, can read the pass rush well. Uh, I, I mean, I think Jacksonville found a guy in uh, Josh Allen. I I actually picked Josh Allen when there was that Josh Allen on Josh Allen crime when um, <laughs> Jacksonville beat Buffalo earlier this year. So that's a good one. All right, we, it's it's the wild card round of the of the NFL playoffs where nobody in their right mind, expected the Philadelphia Eagles to be in this position, especially after they were two and five. They were able to win seven of their last nine or uh, yeah, seven of their last 10 games, whatever it is. I don't really count that week, week 18 game because we didn't play anybody, but whatever. Where the Philadelphia Eagles are now the, the seventh seed, traveling to Tampa Bay to face the two seed. Connor, give me a couple of keys and then your prediction for the game. Well, I mean, I think the biggest key is don't start 
too slow. Don't Three. fall too far behind with Tampa Bay. If you fall behind a score, or whatever. If you're back, if you're backed against the wall, down like fourteen nothing before your offense really start really starts getting into gear. That's a tough thing to come back from against a team like the Tampa Bay Bucks, as banged up as they are or not. That's a major one. And they got to get at Tom Brady. They got to get after him. They got to make him uncomfortable. At least make the pocket a little more uncomfortable. I know that the Tampa Bay Bucks have a really good offensive line and our defensive lines periodically a singular player has had a game here and there but as a unit they haven't been able to bring it together and have a full game where they're all creating pressure and where that pocket's collapsing around Tom Brady like Tom said Tom Brady's good against the blitz but it doesn't even have to be the blitz it just has to be the front four just start to make things uncomfortable make Brady throw the ball away and then just stick to what you know, stick to your game. That's the biggest thing for the Eagles. Stick to that run game. If you have drives that are lasting seven minutes, six minutes, that's less time for the ball to be in Brady's hands and to make things happen. So um, that's what I got. But unfortunately, I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-27. What about you, Tom? So, uh, I mean, we, we, we've spent a lot of time hitting on this and really kind of going through the motions, uh, you know, what the Eagles can do. Cause I, I ultimately think the Eagles can play spoiler. Um, and my biggest concern, and we kind of already hit about it, is what we're going to do against a guy like Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he's ultimately going to be a big issue. I think he's going to be a huge safety valve for Tom Brady. Um, man, I, I would love to pick the Eagles and I really, I mean, either way I win, <laughs> So uh, they win, I win, and if they lose, I still picked right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that Tampa Bay will squeak by. I will say it's going to be by a field goal. I'm going to predict 24-21. Low scoring game, okay. Um, yeah. Remember, in the rain, gentlemen. That is true. That is true. My biggest thing is, is like Connor said, is starting quick. Do not – if you get down 10 nothing to this team, like you, you were down to, I think, the Giants and even to Washington – it's going to be tough to come back. Well, uh, obviously, Tampa Bay is a better defense, but a really good coach team. So the Eagles are going to have to start quicker. And I'm of the point, and I don't like this. I usually, if you win the toss, I usually like to defer. If Eagles win the toss, they should take the ball and go down the field and score right away. Because if you if you take the ball, go down the field and score right away, it's going to sh- tell Tampa, look, we're we're here, we're we're here to play. We're not here playing with house money. We're actually here to. Um, to win this game and and like you said if, if they can stop Gronk they're not going to stop Gronk they have to find a way to contain him and if they can get pressure on Brady they have a really good shot I'm going to go 27 24 Eagles I, I and Connor somebody had to do it somebody had somebody to be did brave have to do it. And, and you know like you know me I usually always pick against the Eagles but I, I don't know why I have a feeling. I, maybe it's all this adversity in Tampa, the Antonio Brown thing, um, you know, injuries. Obviously, I mean, they're getting, they're getting players back, but they're, the Eagles are getting no respect right now. And people just think they're the seventh seed playing with house money. Like, they're just happy to be there. No, I think with Jalen Hurts, a guy that is the ultimate competitor and is just a winner. He's going to find a way to win this game. He may not be with his arm, but he it's probably going to be with his leg, but they're going to find a way to win the game and move on to Green Bay in the divisional round. I like it. I love it. 
And uh, this was this was definitely a good show. Went a little overboard with the time, but you know it's not often we get a guy like Tom to come on and we get to chat some ball. And hopefully we'll bring him on during the off season because I got lots of shows planned. I got lots of topics to talk about, but we'll worry about that when we get there with the Eagles because hopefully me and Tom are wrong. And uh, this isn't the end. And we get to talk about Philadelphia moving on to the next round uh, next week. But also, we didn't get an opportunity to shout out BetUS. Make sure you tell them that the Kelly Green Hour sent you by using the promo code FPF Network and get 125% sign-in bonus. And of course, check out the Fight Philly Fight Network at FPF Network on Twitter, fightphillyfightnetwork.com. Go check out my piece on should they stay or should they go. Uh, the pending uh, unrestricted free agents and restricted free agents that just dropped today. Awesome. And Tom, please tell our listeners where they can uh, find you at on Twitter and, and um, with the name of your podcast and, and other podcasts, I should say. Alrighty, guys. Well, first, I would like to say appreciate uh, letting me on the show. Very excited. Uh, it's always a fun time, especially getting to talk to you guys. Um, I feel like we're going to have probably a lot of conversations about drafts once we get closer. Definitely. Um, but when uh, if you guys are interested, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore FPF Network. You can also find our podcast on anywhere you stream it at the Fight Philly Fight podcast. And as always, check out my work and everyone else's work, including Connor's and hopefully soon LJ's at FPF or excuse me, Fight Philly Fight Network dot com. I'm good when it comes to mock drafts. So definitely draft season. I got to. I got a mock. I'll have a mock draft for you for sure. Um, and you can always fo- follow the Kelly Green Hour on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor Ten, and follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell Fifty Four. And wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe to the show, rate and review. And let us know how we're doing. You can slide into our uh, DMs as always if there's something you would like us to talk about, especially when we get into the off season. Um, give us some topics, even though I know Con- Connor's got a lot of stuff for us and and i'm looking forward to it but we obviously want the philadelphia eagles to win this week so for tom for connor i'm lj thank you for listening to the kelly green hour fly eagles fly